Take your Bibles this morning, turn to Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. I remember when I first became the pastor here, the former pastor was a very handsome man. I mean, you just wanted to slap him. Now, why did I say that? That was horrible. I mean, because he was just handsome. I mean, this guy. Let's see, who was the coach of L.A.? The, the, um, who's the general manager of the Miami Heat right now? Who is it? Pat Riley. He looked like Pat Riley when he was young. I mean, Pastor Stallnecker was. So I went to make a, a soul winning visit. I went to make a, uh, a visit on some shut-ins in a nursing home. And they said, where's the other pastor? I said, well, he's, he's left. He's, I'm the new pastor. And they're like, they're just looking at me. <laughs> and they said, oh, okay. And I said, and this is what they said. He had such beautiful teeth. That's what they said. He had such beautiful teeth. And then I go over and make some other visits, you know. So when I'm coming over here to Cherry Valley, I'm going down the hall. I like to visit everybody. I'm stopping. I'm shaking hands. And I'm talking to these two ladies that are sitting in wheelchairs in the hallway. And uh, I get done and I'm walking away. And now, mind you, this is a long time ago. And the one says to the other one, he's big. So I turn around and slap both of them. I slapped both of them. I said, don't you ever say that again, you know. I never talked to them again, ever. And, um, but that's just some of the, kind of the fun things and crazy things that you go through when you're serving the Lord. But, you know, when you come to these kind of like benchmarks um, of life, 40 years in the ministry, I'm the blessed one because I've been able to just, I'm around people, think about it, since for 40 years, most of my time has been spent with people whose lives have been changed by this book. They're Christians. This book has changed them. I've been around biblical people. Am I like blessed? I mean, the only time I was around people that weren't saved is when I go out soul winning. For a couple hours, you know. I go out shopping maybe, but most of my life has just been around people that lives have been changed by this book called the Bible. Good people, godly people. Not perfect people, none of us are perfect. We know that. But I'm I'm the I'm the blessed one. I get I got to spend my time with God's people. And uh, that's what Paul is saying here. In Philippians chapter 1, he's saying, Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi, with the bishops and deacons. So he's writing unto the church at Philippi, and he says, first of all, I want to write and let you know that you're saints. Thank you for, for following Jesus. Saints in Christ Jesus. People that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what he says here. You see, Paul's life has been changed. Paul was a wicked man. Paul was a, a Christian hater. He hated Christians. He hated the things of Christ. And he was very zealous about that. If you, in Acts chapter 9 and verse 1, 
the Bible says, and Saul, who was Paul, but his name was later changed to Paul from Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they, they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. So he's off to Damascus to find Christians, followers of Jesus, arrest them, and bring them to Jerusalem. But wait a minute. God had a plan for Saul. God had a, a different plan. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. You see, he was persecuting Christians, but he was really persecuting Jesus. And Jesus says, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And he said, And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be given thee, or told thee, what thou, shalt, thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand brought him into Damascus. So here he is, he's walking, it's, it's, a, it's noontime, and the glory of God was so bright, it was a light shining like a spotlight down from heaven on him. And Jesus saved him. He was a changed man. You know, he went to, to be with the disciples, they didn't believe him. Wait, wait, you know, the, we're not going to hang out with Paul, Saul, He's just doing that. He's like, he's just coming as a, somebody who's going to find out where we live and he wants to live among us and he, he's going to kill us. They were afraid of him. But you see, God had changed him and God can change any life. The joy of serving Jesus is to watch God change lives. In the 40 years of ministry, by the grace of God. And those of you who have been Christians for a while, you've seen God change people. You've seen it. And you're like kind of scared. Is that really them? They're different. And you get to see it. And I get to see it. The blessings of God for the believer. Paul says to the saints, to the believers in Christ, he remembers, he's remembering, he's reflecting. He's reflecting about Lydia who came to Christ. She was saved. She was the soothsayer, but she, by the grace of God, she was changed. The jailer and his family in Acts chapter 16. I mean, they're singing praises unto God. They're in bonds, they're locked up. And the jailer becomes a Christian. In his whole house. God opens the doors. They walk out free. 
And the jailer becomes a believer in Christ. I mean, he's seen it. You think about it in your life, what you have seen. And let me tell you something. What's exciting is what we'll get to see as we sow the, gospel, the seeds of the gospel. The greatest days in the history of the Mountain Avenue Baptist Church are yet to come. The greatest days in your life, in your life, are yet to come as you follow God, as you follow Jesus, as you live according to this book, as you read it, as you study it, as you follow. Listen, we know Jesus is coming soon. And all God's people said, I mean, He's coming. There'll be, there'll be wars and rumors of wars in the last days. There'll be uh, signs and wonders. I mean, just things that you see. During the tribulation time, you won't be able to buy or sell unless you have the mark of the beast. Whoa. Now, I'm not saying the vaccine's the mark of the beast. That's not the truth. But you think about it, and it won't be long here. We won't be able to buy or sell unless we have the mark. We have a card that says we got the vaccine. That's what's coming. By the way, church, it's not... We all have different ideas about the vaccine. Now, I've had coronavirus. I almost died. So I have 750 antibodies. I'm told you get about 150 when you get the vaccine. I don't know that for sure. That's just what I'm told. So it's everybody's choice, though, whether to get the vaccine or not. To be told, you have to do this, I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that. Because you, you should be able to make the choice yourself. You read it, you study it, you look at it, and you make the choice. And, um, but to me, that's just entering to a time where they're going to come into this church, they're going to tell us what I can say. What you can say from the Bible. What you can't. And so, we're living in exciting days as we think about living for God. We find, we find in the scriptures that as Paul writes here, he talks about service to the servants in Christ. He calls himself a servant. That word servant literally means bond slaved. It means to be owned by somebody else. So look what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. This is what he's talking about. For we know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, that you have of God. You are not your own. So the day that Rich Sidlowski got saved, March 12, 1972, at the Rochester Hills Baptist Church in Rochester, Michigan, on that day, this body now belongs to Jesus. Where I go, where I live, what I say, how I say it, I'm supposed to please God. What does the Bible say about how you're supposed to speak? A word softly spoken is like apples of gold. Be ye kind one to another, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So, since 1972, Jesus owns this body. It's not my body. It's His body. It's His lips. These lips are His lips. My voice is His voice. As Mike mentioned in that song, just when his body began to breathe, 
I, looked, I thought back, I was sitting in that chapel by the, the tomb of Jesus Christ. We walked inside his tomb. We saw where his body laid. And my mind goes back and just thinking about his body being there. And all of a sudden it just starts to breathe. And he gets up. It's never happened to anybody like Jesus. And he's alive today because he breathes, I breathe. Because he lives, I live. Because he lives, you live in Christ Jesus. It's a wonderful thing, but I belong to him. For you are bought with a price. Do you know how valuable you are? You're bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, the creator of the world. Go out at night and look at the sun, the moon, or, and look at the moon and the stars, and the sun today. And God created it, and you know. They say one million earths will fit inside the sun. The mass of the, that's how big the sun is. And we're just far enough away to get a nice golden tan. I'm talking about a California tan, not a Florida tan, not a, not a Michigan tan. There's no Michigan, there's no tan in Michigan. And you saw that church, they're Houghton Lake Baptist. You see how high the snow was? I shoveled that. I used to sit and study. And the snow would just start falling, and I'd go out and I'd shovel that little area in the front, just shovel it off, go back and study some more, come back out, shovel another three inches, you know, shovel a path down to the house that we lived right behind the church. What's so good about snow? There's only one thing good about snow, and that's that David wrote that God will forgive your sins and make your heart white as snow. That's good, isn't it? And he'll remove our sins as far as the east is from the west. In the mind of God, when he looks down and he sees you, he doesn't see your sinful heart. He sees Jesus living in that heart. And you can come boldly before the throne of grace in Christ. In Christ. How wonderful it is to be a Christian. How wonderful it is to know God. How wonderful it is to know how this world began by God creating everything, creating Adam and Eve in the garden, then establishing the family. And we know he's going to return one day to stand there on the Mount of Olives. You stand looking down upon the city of Jerusalem. To your left is where he ascended. There's a tower there. It's where Jesus met with his disciples that last time when he ascended. And he's coming back. And he's going to plant his feet, the Bible says, in the Mount of Olives. And there's going to be a great earthquake. Over to your left, right is the Garden of Gethsemane where they arrested him that night. And they let him down across the front of the, the gate took him over to Caiaphas' house. You walk it. You see it. It's so incredibly real. You don't have to go there, though, to, to know he's real. You don't have to go to Israel. I knew he was real far long before I ever went to see his, where, he, where he grew up as a man, where he lived, where he walked, where he died. I'm so thankful for my Savior. I love Him. And by the way, I don't serve Him because I have to. I serve Him because I want to. 
Thank you. I don't know who that was back there. But you see, that's what we have to do. Parents, that's what we have to do with our young people. We have to get them to come to church because they want to. They have to serve them because they want to. Not because they have to. They need to be involved in the church. I'm so thankful for the word of God. I'm so thankful for the work of God. He says we're, we're servants. Servants of Christ Jesus. You see, the believers in Philippi were co-laborers with Paul. They stood shoulder to shoulder with him. They supported him. They worked with him. They labored with him. And I'm so thankful for the over, over 40 years of ministry. By the grace of God, I owe everything in my life when it comes to ministry to the Lord and to his people. Because in every church I worked in, there was people like you. People that served God. You see, the church isn't ruled by one man. It can't function with one man. The church can't function with just a few. It functions with the whole. By the grace of God, we have this church. By the grace of God, we serve Him. By the grace of God, we all have gifts and abilities. And we exercise them and we use them for the glory of God. Somebody made these pillars. Did you, did you make these pillars? Karina made these pillars. It looks nice, doesn't it? That's her, she's got a gift. She's got a gift. Somebody cleaned the auditorium. Somebody cleaned up the parking lot out here. Somebody, Morris works on the vehicles. Our vans pulled off of the ark. I'm kidding you, that's a long time ago. <laughs> we've had those vans so long. Our bus, I don't know how old that bus is, but it's old. You know why it runs? Because he works on it. He works on it. I'm thankful for him working on the bus, taking care of it. It's his gift. It's a gift. He helps me out. He reminds me of a guy um, that I knew in Forest Hills Baptist Church from 82 to 90. I worked there. And um, Mr. Jones, and he said, well, they would sit down for dinner and the phone would ring and his wife would say, that's rich. He needs something. If my washer, my dryer, something broke with the dishwasher, I would call Mr. Jones and he'd come over and fix it. Morris has, Morris has always worked on my cars and fixed things for me. I appreciate him. Earl. Earl almost blew up my house one time. Raise your hand there, Earl. Thank you. No, he didn't. Everything was flickering. I said, Earl, it looks nice. We got a strobe light in every room. Remember that, Earl? You fixed that one little socket and everything went wacko. You know. If you need something done, Earl will come and help you. It's helped a lot of people. I mean, you just look around this room. There are people that are gifted, and they just help one another. I'm just so thankful for the house of God, a home, a place. Paul said we serve God together. We serve him together, and we look to him. And then 
he's talking, he's thinking about all the blessings of the past, and he thinks about the blessings of the present day. There's a special bond between believers. There's a special bond between people that know Jesus. There's a special love. He says it in chapter 1 and verse 7, Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, I love you from my heart, insomuch both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are all partakers of my grace. I love you. <coughs> Do you understand, church, there's a love? There's a love that God gives us for the brethren. There's a love that God gives us for each other. It's a wonderful thing. It's a supernatural thing. It's a supernatural love that God gives us. We look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and my crown to stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. He loved them. There's a love, again, that's supernatural between believers in a church. Followers of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. And so we have the natural love that God gives us for people, but we have the supernatural love that God gives us for one another. In John chapter 13, in verse 15, we find the love that God has given us. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have, as I have done to you. What is it? He loves. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Speaking of the, the two greatest commandments, Jesus' question, and Jesus says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. So we're to love God with everything. With everything. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thy neighbor as thyself. Not only your neighbor that you live by, but the person sitting next to you. Oh, you know, if there's ever a parking spot, take that parking spot. If there's a seat, take that seat. To love. Prefer, love preferring one another. Letting the other person go first. That's God's love. That's His love. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 5. But whosoever keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby we know that we are in him. Why is it? Because of our, his love. Verse number 10 of chapter 2. Again the Bible says, He that loveth his brother abideth in the light. So when we love, we're abiding. Listen, when you abide in the light, the light of the truth, the light of the gospel, the light of the fact that God has forgiven you and God loves you. See, His love comes through me and then it goes to you. 
This is my daughter. My oldest daughter, Angela, is over here. Raise your hand there, Angela. And she's here for this special day. And then Laura. Um, but I love them. They're my daughters. I don't know where Joanna's probably in the nursery. I don't see her in here. My daughter, Amanda. By the way, in doing the work of the church, my family's always helped me. Is Laura a blessing to the church? I taught her to play the piano. I taught her night and day. She plays the piano. She's a tremendous piano player. You know, and uh, Joanna and Laura have just been faithful here. Um, Brother Mike, assistant pastor, 13 years, is faithful. I'm thankful for my family, that they love God, that they want to serve him. My daughter Amanda, when we first moved here, you saw her. She, she lives in Los Angeles now. But she really started the bus ministry. I mean, I, everybody over in the east side of Banning in those apartment buildings knew who Amanda was. And she was in high school. She loved people. She built the bus route. She worked hard. And Tara, Tara was the terror. Tara sang in the choir here, did everything until she moved. Went to Bible college at Pensacola now. Lives up in Oakland. A nurse at Stanford University Hospital. Taking care of people. Taking care of people. I'm thankful that all my daughters graduated from college. And they all, my daughter Amanda takes care of homeless people. She provides shelter for homeless people. I worry about her. It's a dangerous place where she's at, you know, for 200 homeless people living in this apartment complex, and she oversees it. But she loves people. You know what? They learn to love people by serving through a church like this. They just learn to serve. You saw a picture. You probably, you know, I'm sure you can't remember. It. There was a lady there. The kids were small. We would go to the shelter every Saturday. I take my girls. They would sing. These were for foster children. They were teenagers, but nobody, wants to, nobody wanted to adopt a teenager. And my girls would go and sing there. We would have lunch with them. And they learned how to serve. They learned how to love. And so Angela is a child protective service agent. She was for five years. Helping children, getting them back to their families if they can. How did they learn that? Just through the church. How did our girls, by the grace of God, they all love Jesus. You know why they all love Jesus? Well, her, her mom and dad taught her, but they were always around people like you. They were always around people that loved this book. That's who they hung out with. That's who they went to school with. You understand? They went to church. So... I can't take credit for, by the grace of God for my kids loving the Lord. You know what? They were around you. People of the church, people that know this book, people that love God. I'm so thankful. This morning, I'm so thankful for the people that God has allowed me to serve Him with. I'm so thankful for the people that touched my life and touched my family's life. Nobody's perfect. But I'm thankful how God and how the people of the church are being perfected by God. 
That's what we're doing. We're being perfected. We're not, we're not, uh, we're not perfect. Paul wasn't perfect. He persecuted Christians, but God changed him. And God used him mightily. And so, Paul deals with the present. He's talking about the love. I love you, he's saying. And then he talked about their prayer for him. They prayed for him. He's talking to the believers. And he says, thank you for praying for me. Thank you for loving me and praying for me. For I know this, my salvation, my salvation through your prayer, through your prayer and your supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful for the people that prayed for me and people that prayed for me to get saved and people that have encouraged He was thankful for Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus came to visit him when he was in prison. They sent him, the people at Philippi sent him to deliver him, or or to deliver a message to him. Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 through 30. What a blessing. And then, chapter 4 and verse 15 of Philippians, Paul writes this. Now ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. So this is back before missions. This is back before missionaries came and got support from the church. The church at Philippi, through their poverty, took up an offering to help Paul in his work. He's thanking them. He's thanking them. And so, as we come to the conclusion of this service, as we together, as we together, see, I begin another, the next 10 years of my ministry, I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that I can serve God with people like you. I'm thankful that God has planted us here. And I'm telling you, there's so much excited. There's so much. There's so much to be done. And so we just got to decide. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's pray for the lost. Let's seek the lost. Let's go out and help them. Let's be a blessing. We all have a gift. Let's use it for God's glory. Let's use what we, what we have to build the church. This church is Jesus' church. It's His church. And so we get to just, I get to serve as the under-shepherd to the great shepherd. Just as Moses needed Aaron and her to hold his hands up, this church needs you. This church needs you to function properly, to take care of it. Just like Gideon needed 300. Just like David needed his mighty men. Just like Jesus needed 12. He trained 12. The church needs you. What can you do? How can you serve? 
Well, everybody can be a witness. There's gospel tracts out here. Everybody can invite their neighbors. We're going to have an, uh, an attendance push beginning in September. We want you to participate in it. Just invite somebody. Encourage them. Help them. Everybody can pray. 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 When you get up in the morning, pray for the church. Pray for the ministry. Pray for the missionaries. Pray for the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Read the, read the Bible. Read the Word. If you're going to be healthy, you've got to read the Word. I could not make it 40 years in the ministry without reading the Bible. I couldn't do it. I couldn't make it through the ups and downs in life. But you can make it through the Word. So read the Word. Decide now. Next Sunday is the first Sunday in September. Decide now. Be faithful to church every week. We have our small groups on Wednesday night. Be there. Invite somebody to come. And let's build this church together. And let's do it. Now listen. We don't want to... No church, no church is perfect. Nobody is. And so don't, don't just zero in on the negatives. Let's see, what can we find negative about this auditorium? I don't know. It looks good. But that vent is just a little dirty. Oh, I'm not coming back next week, that vent. It's too cold over here. Find another place to sit. That light's burn out. I, don't, I never noticed that. No. You know what? I got a lot of lights in here burning. And we'll fix the light. But look for the bright part. Don't look at the negative. You get married, look at the bright part. You're going to life, through life together. You get married, then you have children. You know, life, children are a different dynamic. And then children grow up, they become teenagers. It's a different dynamic. You've got to learn to work together to parent them. And then they graduate, they go to college. It's a, it's a different dynamic. You've got to agree to a disagree. And you've got to always get along. And then they graduate from college and you're empty nesters. What are you going to do? No, you're growing together. You're growing together. And I just want to suggest unto you, suggest you to enjoy your life. Enjoy every minute of it. And let's do a work together for the glory of God. Pray for one another. Lift each other up. Work together. I know things look, look kind of tough in the world, but you know what? Do you know that our God's bigger than anything in this world? You say, well, California's getting so liberal. Well, this is a pretty nice... We're in church this morning. So don't think about that. We're blessed. We're blessed beyond measure. And you know what? We get done here. If you're depressed and down and out, go get a Big Mac. Just go get it. Whatever it is that you shouldn't eat, you shouldn't, you know, just go get it. Start tomorrow, you know. We get so depressed over what we can't eat. There's a lot of good things we can eat, and there's a lot of bad things. 
But whatever you're doing, whatever diet you're on, whatever things going, just enjoy life. Amen? Amen. Let's just enjoy life together. I'm thankful for this book. I'm thankful for God that loves all of us and that we can all serve him. So let's just do it. Oh, he thought about the, the blessings of the past, the blessings of the present day. Then Paul deals with the blessings to the future to come. Revelation 21 and verse 4. The word of God says this, And he shall wipe away all the tears. I had a funeral on Friday for Doogie. There were some tears shed. But I'm telling you, in heaven there will be no more tears, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any, any more pain. I pray for Dwayne Carr. He's in pain every night. His back is so bad and his legs can't hardly sleep. I pray for him. I know others that have pain. There'll be no more pain, for the former things are passed away. That's what God has in store for us. So let's just live. If you got pain, take, a, take an aspirin, take some time off if you can. Work it out. And by the grace of God, let's enjoy our lives and let's build together the church here at Mountain Avenue Baptist, planted in this community for people to come and hear about Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for this place. And Lord, we know that we're living in California and God, the government leadership is rapidly moving away. But we thank you for Senate, former Senator Mike Morales, a born-again Christian. He's a good man. And Lord, other good Christian men Lord, even some Christians that may, may, some leaders that aren't Christians, but they're for the, keeping freedom for the church and the school to worship. Lord, we thank you for that. Thank you for the freedom we enjoy. God, we pray for the families of these 13 servicemen and women who were killed in, in Afghanistan. We pray you'll bring them comfort today. God, we thank you that they were on a mission from their government, from us, from our country, to go and help people get out safe. And they gave their lives. God, we thank you for their memories. We thank you for their families. We pray you'll just comfort them today because there are many, many, many broken hearts in different parts of this country. And help all the Americans and those that helped our allies, help them to get out of Afghanistan and get to a place of safety. Thank you for all the men and women who serve, both in our armies and also in, as policemen and women, firemen who, who protect us. We thank you, God. Give great wisdom to them as they handle very, very difficult situations every day. Thank you for all you've done for us now. Bless this church. We love you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please? If you've joined us online, we invite you to come to Jesus Christ. If you're here in the auditorium and you're not sure of you're, your eternal home in heaven, you can know Jesus for sure. You can know for sure you're going to heaven. How do you do that, Pastor? Just open your heart. He did it all. What you have to do is just open your heart. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Open your heart to Jesus. Say, yes, Jesus, I believe. I know. I know I'm a sinner. 
I know I'd be lost without you. And I know I need you. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call upon him today. If you're online, let us know. We invite you to open your heart to Jesus. And then here in the auditorium, we're going to have an invitation. Brother Mike will be here, Brother Theo here. Come and take them by the hand. Say, I want to know for sure I'm on my way to heaven. As we sing this invitation song, you come and respond as the Spirit directs you. Let's sing it together.